I'm Adam Hergenrother, and this is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. Today, I am joined by my chief of staff, Hallie. Hallie, good morning. Good morning. Yesterday was a really interesting morning for me. Um, it was, and probably every parent has, or maybe even, you know, it, or if you have uh, nieces and nephews, it's the same thing for you, probably for you too, but probably a little bit more for a parent. Mm-hmm. But my son, my oldest daughter, has always just literally jumps at every opportunity for overnights. Like, she is that person who loves to she like it's funny because she went to a lacrosse camp earlier this year and she's like you know I just want to go stay in the dorms I want to experience what it's like to go stay in these dorms and but I'm like what about lacrosse she's like yeah that's fun too right so it's like (laughs) she just jumps in for this whole experience and so they've been at this kind of rugged adventurous camp in there which is they do like mountain biking for three or four hours a day and they swim in their rivers and you know and, and do a bunch of cool games in the mountains and so they're doing this overnight camp and she was like I'm gonna and she likes mountain biking but not like she, she's there for the social. She, she is. Part. She's there for the experience of yeah. social everything. And they're like, yeah, we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to do this mountain bike Academy and it's called Burke or kingdom trails, which is a really big mm-hmm. area and they're huge. And we're going to be camping out for two nights. And she's like, I want to go. And I'm like, and she turns to the instructor. She's like, well, so how much biking is involved in this whole thing? <laughs> and she's like, well, and Sarah and I are standing there and we're laughing. She's like, well, it is a, it is a, is a bike you know, camping trip. So it's a lot. Right. And she's like, I'm going to go. And so it was funny. She's doing it. But then my son who hasn't been on a uh, overnight except for like his grandparents or something, uh, is like, I want to go too. And so of course I want to support him. But part of me is like, I don't want him to leave. Right. Like, cause mm-hmm. he's this thing. And then yesterday he gave me like five hugs before he left. But it was like one of those moments where it was such like a, I was so proud. I was, I was, I first of all I cried cause it was just like one of those things, but it was also very, you're very proud because you know, like this is a pivotal moment in their life because, mm-hmm. and we could both feel it. It was like his first, he's going and sleeping in a lean to and he's camping out and there's no electronics and there's no cell phone signal. So he can't call anybody and he's mm-hmm. going to be mountain biking for seven, eight hours a day. And you're not going to be there either. And, yeah, yeah. I won't be it's there. one like, thing or, if he was experiencing with yes, you. And, yeah. Exactly. And, uh, but it was like, you could tell like he, it's like they need it for their own nourishment, like their mm-hmm. own growth yeah. of like any, every, like the night before he's like, I'm scared. He's like, where do you go to the bathroom, dad? Like what are all these questions about? Mm-hmm. But they, I was like, that's all things you get to figure out, bud. Like, it's just one of those that's things. Awesome. And, and so it was really, it was really cool to, to have that. But it's like, we all have those moments, right? Like I did this gravel race on Saturday and, um, I hadn't wanted to do it for a couple years because it's not really a, it's a race it's it's quasi race like a lot of like professionals ex-professionals show up for this thing every Saturday morning and I hadn't really wanted to do it because I didn't want to get dropped in the uh, or be like last and uh, I was last and but I was telling them about it could be like there's nothing else I could do and I was like two minutes three minutes behind them on a on a 33 mile 4,000 vert climb but still um it was, uh, but I got to use it as an example. I was like, yeah, I was nervous too going into this thing. So it's just, we, we all have these different types of things that we go into. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of interesting for you in your own life. And you think about it as like, we so simply see it in other people's lives of like, oh, you should just go do that. And they're like, well, I'm nervous to do this. We're like, it's so easy. And they, it may be easy for you to do what they're doing, but there's something else in your life that is challenging. Maybe they can go have conversations easy with people. And maybe for you, it's difficult to go have a conversation that's totally. real or whatever the case may be. Yeah. It's just all of life is this opportunity for growth and particularly with business. So which leads us to the conversation today, which we're going to do, um, which is really, you know, what causes leaders to micromanage? Um, how do you stop? Um, and how do you 
how do you allow people to give up control, and particularly in the way from like, you know, force multipliers, how to, uh, how to help give their boss to give up control. But I also think it goes beyond that too, though, Hallie. Um, that's one that's, that's always there is how do bosses, right, their founders or their leaders give up control for their force multipliers. But also if you just t- took on a new role or maybe you've been in a role and you have subordinates underneath you, right, that are your employees, um, what causes people to micromanage? And do people even know they're micromanaging? I guess that would be a question that I want to ask for you. So when, when, so why don't you define for us, Hallie, what is micromanaging anyways? Well, I'll, I'll answer that question in a second, but one of the reasons, I mean, I particularly wanted to talk about this is because we recently in from founder and force multiplier did a survey of founders and force multipliers. And one of the common themes that kept coming up over and over again is get their, getting leaders to give up more control and to stop micromanaging and to allow subordinates, but a lot of it was chiefs of staff and EAs to um, really flourish more in their role. And they felt feel are feeling very limited because of the leaders that they are working with who may not be as evolved in their leadership skills as one might want them to be. Well, let me ask you a question. Is it, is it, purely the leader or is it both? So or I, is it that they have an idea of what it should be and they're not per, communicating it properly? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's a little bit of both. And, and that's part of the conversation that I like to have when I'm working with more of the force multiplier demographic, which is why always asking, why is your boss micromanaging in the first place? If they in fact are and a lot of it, I always say, well, why? And to me, it always comes back to fear. They're afraid of something. And yes. you have to get, dig into what that is so you can objection handle it and come up with a solution to handle whatever that fear is. And the other one, big thing I think that comes up a lot, and we've talked about it before, is the leader may not have confidence mm-hmm. in their force multiplier. Sometimes that's from the leader's perspective, but very often it's from the force multiplier not um, inspiring that confidence in their leader because of the way they're showing up. So yeah, there's responsibility on both sides for sure. Yeah. And so I think, you know, uh, when we think about micromanaging, I think there's, there's a Harvard business review that came out and they said that there was two main reasons. And we, and then there was a third reason, which I think is you've already hit on, but one of the first w- reasons that people micromanage is they, they feel way more connected with lower level workers. I don't think that would really hold true for the executive assistant founder role. No. Right? They don't really they don't really hold close to that. Um, and then number two is they feel more comfortable doing their old job rather than seeing employees who now do that job, which I can see that definitely playing heavily into the, the reason why somebody would not give up to a, to a force multiplier. And then the third reason, which I think has even more weight is the fear in itself. And we'll get into that. So yeah. let's kind of go to the second one. Cause I think yeah. um, that really plays more into it. And I know you want to say something, but I'll just mm-hmm. say one quick thing about that is, is from my perspective, when you're, when you're building a company, particularly if it's founder driven, there is like, they do own all these rules, particularly like your calendar or financial management or this particular meeting that has a lot to do with it. They own that. And if that gets, everyone as a founder or that you're leading a division or a company, right? That kind of, um, uh, either again, the founder or the leader, they, there's critical things that they feel, whether it's true or not, they feel that if that happens to slip, it breaks everything. It's kind of like the Pareto principle, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like 20% of their activities produces 80% of results. It's kind of like, well, 20% of my, if my calendar's messed up, it breaks everything. If, if, you know, this meeting doesn't happen the way I need it to happen, it breaks a lot of the situation that happens out there. Um, or if it's not communicated properly to this person and I feel like I'm the only one that can do it properly, yes. then that's where it is. So there, there's this 
underlying fear, but it's not as, at least for me in the beginning, it was never a fear about like, oh, I don't like, I guess there is that kind of like, uh, uh, what's the syndrome, the imposter syndrome, but it's not really mm-hmm. imposter syndrome at first for, for, for a lot of people. I think it can be, but I think for, particularly for the, the force multiplier, it's that it's, there's a fear that that's not going to get done to the level that they think you can done at, um, or that they can do it at, they can deliver at. So then there is a gap between both parties, right? And so then it, you basically wake up and say, well, I'm going to have to give up a little bit of this and the force multiplier is going to have to say, I'm going to have to step up to take this so that they can actually feel that it's going to be getting um, executed on, on better than they can do it. And that takes training, that takes confidence, that takes trust to be able to build that. But in order for them to be able to give, to, uh, to not want to continue to hold on to old patterns of their job, somebody has to walk in there, which you did a great job of early on was, and I really, I leveraged relatively easy in my life, mm-hmm. which is easier for me naturally, but you did a really good, maybe it helped having you, um, I'm sure it helped having you, but you grabbed those things and actually did them better than I could. And so I think that's really important. So if you're listening to this is like, are you micromanaging and saying, okay, like, let's just be And because some people will say, well, of course I'm, I'm not calling it micromanagers. They have to get done. I have to be the one doing it. Well, that's, I get what you're saying. That's a form of micromanagement Mm -hmm. because what you're not seeing is if you can give up that part from your mental cognitive space and the actual physical time that it takes to do some of these things, how much more impactful can you be in the organization? So at some level, and this is one of the things we train all of our people in organization is like, Hey, if you want to build out, so you have 3000, you know, people in your world that you're leading, you need a lot of amazing leaders that are built on sets of principles, trust, right? Infrastructure that, because you can't physically make these decisions anymore. And I think that people get real stuck in this phase where this is why businesses, by the way, stay where they are, plus or minus 10% if the market's going up or mm-hmm. last couple of years, if your market went up and or came down, they kind of flow with it because th- there's a there's a lid that they start putting on themselves. They don't realize it by micromanaging. They become the roadblock to the growth of the Yeah, and they don't, they don't see it that way. They only no, see it as, not. oh, this is not the roadblock. This is what's holding the whole castle together. Exactly. That's like I can think true. about somebody in our own world yeah. right now, oh, 100%, right? Yeah. It's like, well, I'm holding the whole castle together and, and everyone else is going... Hey, your job's important, but actually you're not like (laughs) get out of the way. So somebody else can come in there and actually see it differently. And sure, maybe it's not the same way you do it. Right. But the result ends up being right. And then you get to grow into a different role and into a different leadership level by by letting go of those pieces. Yeah. Yeah, when I hear let go, by the way, I want to talk about like I know surrender you do. and yeah. like spirit chat. But like, but letting go and and but this is a big part of that. Yeah, because that is personal growth. Is that you walk in and you're you become aware that maybe there is a different way, right? I agree that everyone that when you're listening to your mind, you're you're the mind is 100 percent right, but it's only right based on the experiences you've had. Hallie's had a lot of different experiences, so her mind's 100 right too. So it wasn't mine. But at some point, you wake up and go, well, maybe her experiences are they bring a different value than just mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, because that's why, that's why arguing with somebody is almost impossible because you're arguing because they think they're right. And of course they do, because that's the experience they had. And I've had a different experience and therefore I have had it. And so forget the argument and just going and letting you know, is I've only seen a, a small insignificant amount of experiences that happen that my mind knows. So maybe bringing Hallie in and she's had more experiences with this particular thing or has a different viewpoint from it. Why can't she take it as well too? Yeah. I was just going to go back to the, they feel more comfortable doing their old job. I do think part 
part of it is what you mentioned that sometimes they just are like, well, I've already done it before. I can do it better kind of feeling. But I also think a lot of it um, has, it's not so much about they feel they can do it better. They just are, it's a little like the comfort level, but also the uh, fear. Yeah. The fear and that, and it gives them significance because they know they, they're, they're like, I'm good at what I was doing before. So I feel really great about insignificant doing this and, or they've built the relationships like you mentioned. And there's a, a significance in that and having to hand off relationship management to somebody else means they don't feel as significant anymore. I actually had a specific example of this where a chief of staff got promoted to CEO of the company and she kept holding on to her email particularly because it gave her so much significance being able to reply and she would reply really quickly to everybody. But then she's stuck in her email Mm -hmm. and not actually doing her role of CEO. Mm -hmm. She was still being EA chief of staff when really they needed her to be out of her email and going and leading. So um, I worked with that force multiplier and helping her figure out how to get her. What other ways can your your new CEO get that same sort of significance, but in a different way. Yeah. That's a great example. I I always think of the visual of this for people that are more visual. It's like, um, if you draw a scale or if you draw like a one through 10 out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, right. And you draw it out there. People in businesses, you can do either way. They're both a symbiotic relationship. They start doing something that like, say you get a one times return as a one, and then you do a two times return and then you get three times return somewhere between three and four people start getting enough return that they start getting noticed or they start feeling significant from whatever that is that Mm -hmm. return of what they're doing and so they end up they end up like camping there and they don't realize that there's a five times or a six times or Mm -hmm. a seven times or an eight times or a nine times or a ten times but it's always seems to even in high performers they get to this natural ceiling the Mm -hmm. lid they don't call they don't realize it they go they can recognize in other people but they can't recognize it in themselves of course and they don't call they call of course I would never because every time almost every time I've talked to is like yeah I'm kind of sure I have a lid I just don't I don't really I don't really I couldn't imagine what it is right Mm -hmm. it's not that they're even saying it in a way of like they don't know they just they kind of just don't know because you never take that uh, that approach to being self-aware that way but i see people camping out in this three to four times and what people don't realize is at that three or four you're kind of maxed out what i mean by that is with everything else going on in your life in the business you're kind of maxed out of what you can do to get that return right Mm so that activities those activities you're doing each day contribute to a certain return and call that three to four times now you could equate that to maybe that's making three hundred thousand dollars three hundred million it's it's either way doesn't or thirty thousand right there's an activity that people sit there usually i see that with entrepreneurs who are owning their businesses around that 150 to $500,000 mark in net income, they start to camp out there. Mm-hmm. One, it's enough money that they can kind of do what they want to do or live their life, but then they kind of, they sit there. But the, the gap that people have to realize is that you have to then break free of that old way of doing that, holding on to old jobs mm-hmm. or old patterns of thinking or other activities that you're doing in order to go to the next level. And people get it visually, but actually doing it is hard because what hustles tends to happen is when you let go of a part of it, it could fail. Right. And sometimes it does. So then all of a sudden that three to four goes to a two and you go, see, this won't work. And sometimes it goes to a two, even if it doesn't fail, because you just have somebody else doing it for a little while and they need to build back up to that three, four. Totally. And then, so while you meanwhile, yes. you're working on a six, seven, which yes. ultimately has a bigger return overall, but doesn't necessarily feel like that. I've seen so many founders get to this spot that they camp out and they try, they recognize they need to grow beyond it and they make a hire, 
they make a transition, they start working on their activity and they go, man, I tried it for like 15 days, right? Whatever it is, 30 days, two months. And they're like, it just, we went backwards for 90 days. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes that happens, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes that happens, right? When Tiger Woods changed his golf swing, he went backwards for a year to move forwards, right? It's sometimes you take a step back to recalibrate, rebuild and go forward, right? I mean, whether you can look and see without Facebook doing that with with currently right now, we're not sure how they do it. They went, they were high forward doing Facebook. Now they're going to meta. That's a step back, right? Their, their things are, are their, their valuations are different, right? So every organization has to realize that they have to let go of something they're focused on to focus on something else, right? To focus on something else. And when you, when you let go, when you give up that control to somebody else, it frees you to go then look around. Like all of a sudden you get broken. It's like you become untethered, right? From your world so that you can look up and go, man, I could put some energy over here. And sometimes by the way, it's not even clear where you're going to go. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's very clear in what you need to do. But in other worlds, sometimes it's not. Like for instance, an easy example of this is in real estate and the brokerage side of real estate. It's, um, uh, you go, it's like, okay, I'm working with buyers that are buying a $250,000 home, but one way to, to increase your income is to work at a higher price point. And so at some point you need to say no to a buyer in 200,000 in order to say yes to somebody in a $500,000 range, but there's a gap there, mm-hmm. right? So then there's like maybe a 90 day gap where you've said no to a couple people so you can make room for somebody else over here and they're not quite showing up, but then all of a sudden they do. And now you've you've now worked, reached a different level or a new bracket that's there as well too. It's the same thing that happens uh, in all businesses. So part of that letting go that the micromanaging is what roles or jobs, right? Are you holding on to that you're holding on to for what Hallie said, right? For that significance piece or that you're holding on to because you feel really comfortable with it and you're afraid to let that piece go. Um, I was going to just mention that do you think, because I, I think this is true, but I was curious your opinion that 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 happens over and over again in the life cycle of a leader, that it's not like just they get to a six and a seven and they're there. That six and seven in the, their new world may look like a three and four again at some point, and then they need to do that all, all over again. And I'm just thinking, personally, I very much feel like I've experienced that even in my own career where I've been the roadblock a couple of times because we really did need to make a new hire, but I wanted to hold on to stuff and I was afraid to let things go. But then once we made the new hire, it wasn't great for a little while, but then eventually, you know, it gets better. I feel like I'm experiencing that. And that's with an assistant. Now I feel like I'm experiencing that again. We just hired a new CEO who's fantastic, except I'm having to give up Mm -hmm. a ton of stuff that I normally would do. Significance is going away a little bit, you know, all of this stuff again. And I'm not quite on the other side yet where... (laughs) Um, where I, where I yeah. don't exactly know what I'm going to do yet, yeah. but I just know yes. there's going to be stuff to do. Yeah. And, the, <laughs> and, and thank you for sharing that. And part of that is, is always every time you've let go, there's always been a vacuum to yeah. the next piece that's been higher with more impact, more, um, personal fulfillment. Yes. That's yeah, exactly right that. for what it is. And it always, oh, that's the way the life flows that way. Right. It just yeah. does when, you know, at some it, point it rains. You don't then, know that sometimes when you're in it, well, that's which is why of, it's hard to do it in the first place. Yeah. I think Martha Beck, uh, said something where I may get it wrong. She said, you know, every time you see the opportunity to jump in the fire, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to get burned and that's fine. And you can, um, come back as a, Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix, right? And, and reshine again. It may hurt a little bit, but you'll come back as a Phoenix or you're going to jump in the fire and realize it wasn't a fire in the first place. 
And so I think that's where people get is like the third option that you just I said burn two. and die. There's not there. You don't. If oh, you uh, burn, you become back as a phoenix. Is that guaranteed? Yes, guaranteed. Okay. Yeah, just check the box. Okay. Okay, just, just check the box. I'm there. with you, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, Because every time you do take that step, jumping in the fire is yeah, obviously yeah. a metaphor for not physically jumping in a fire, Hallie. But like when you jump yeah. into I, like, I, know I that. just want to make sure because <laughs> you're talking about burning. Well, it's stuff, a metaphorical, but, I know. So but. like when you jump into something, like let's just say even like you jumped into something else and it, and, you know, your business went a down. A new career, yeah. Yeah, or like then a, all of a sudden yeah. like that went down, but then how often is it that you all of a sudden something opens up and you're like, oh, there it was. I was so happy this happened over yeah. here. But at the time, you can't always see it yeah it's just again that's the trusting in the process of of how things unfold and so that's the trusting into letting go it's sure you may let go and you may have the wrong person and it may fail and you may have to step back in and guess what pain plus reflection equals equals progress so then you that's a ray dalio principle right so it's like so then all of a sudden when you step back in you go i'm not going to hire that a person that I've, I've realized the person, the wrong person of why I hired them. Yep. I realized they let go too fast yep. or whatever. Or, or I didn't miss. train them well enough tra- the first exactly. time. I didn't have a 30, or 60, 90 set up. Whatever. I yeah. I didn't, there wasn't clear how they win or how I, how I was going to do that. Right. So it just becomes this process of what that is. And so one of two things will happen when you do this, but, and, and by the way, that will happen. <laughs> yeah. That will happen. And the thing is, is when that happens to most people, they get hit and they go, I'm never doing that again. Like I can just remember, um, my dad, uh, when I, when he saw me, when I was first starting to build, I was hiring people and he could see the leverage I was getting. And he's like, he actually, I think he actually came to a, maybe even a career visioning or he listened into it for a little while. Excuse me. And he, um, I took him to like a business mastery at Tony Robbins trying to get him to add leverage in his life because he mm-hmm. really wanted to. And he'd made a couple hires and he's like, ah, it just, it just doesn't work. Right. And so I'm like, no, you just got to do it differently. And then he made a hire and he's like, yeah, I made this hire. It's taken over the organization. It's great. I remember for like 90 days, he was like, yes, the freaking best thing ever. Like they just do this. And all of a sudden one day he's like, I fired him. Realized they were doing a shit job. They weren't doing this over here. They, you know, they cost me all this money. You know, all, I'm never yeah. doing that again. And I was yeah. like, well, that's that's part of the process, Dad. Yeah. I, and I, I use my dad as that example. And by the way, he's still a sole proprietor, and and now he's he's kind of going into retirement. But like, it was uh, it was very. At some point, you woke up and said, "I just don't want to even deal with it anymore." Which yeah. I, I, which I, and some people don't like. They don't. That's they why we have different paths sol- in our company. Exactly. To can, be more of that either solopreneur, or that individual contributor, like exactly. Leadership is not all it's cracked up to be. Sometimes. It's not at all, and like it's so funny. People yeah. people use this, and they 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 use the word leadership in such like a like a high regard, like somehow you're a god because yeah. you're leadership, or and like everyone should aspire to be yeah, that. Well, but that's bullshit. Like not it's always like, no. In fact, most people probably don't. That's why in our organizations we have an, an entrepreneur path. Right. Mm -hmm. And we also have a leadership path because there are some people that, and really the kind of the two differences, the way to think about this is that the entrepreneur path is I want to, I want to succeed. I want to grow, but I don't want to lead anybody else. I really want to just focus on what my own contributions can be to the organization. Like an individual contributor. Yeah, exactly. We call it entrepreneurs or like, well, in our organization, we're calling them that, but it's really, yeah. we call them, we also call it like an individual contributor. contributor from theirs. Yeah. An entrepreneur can cer- is certainly Absolutely a leader. leader. So yeah. just mm-hmm. to kind of clarify that yeah. for people, because because I would consider you an entrepreneur that way, um, but you're leading other people as well too. So it, so just for clarification's sake there, in our world, in one of our companies, it's just we're a calling term that we're using. Term yeah. reason. But we're, they're, they're way more of an individual contributor than they are anything. Um, and, then from, and then from there, then there's the leadership path through people who kind of wake up and go, 
I don't actually, all I want to do is lead through people. Mm-hmm. I do. I really want to lead through people. Um, and then, so then you, you, you cycle that in and there's people are in different phases of their lives and they might be in different parts of that. And so you kind of understand that with them. Um, but those become the two different cycles for how people can succeed. And once they understand really where they are. Um, I was thinking maybe we can go over quickly what, uh, signs of micromanagement so like if, yeah, a, if a leader is like i don't do that yes because honestly I'm, I'm looking at these and i'm like <laughs> i am so not a micromanager and then i'm realizing i think i might be which is not good <laughs> um but well, unintentional you know, or accidentally well, i think a lot of them are like right yeah. um so here are some signs you want to go through some of them yeah i think you are, i think you definitely can well um not seeing the woods for the trees so having the tendency to get bogged down in the details and the minutiae rather than looking at the big picture so why is that important? Um, because, well, typically if you're in leadership, you have someone else to should be handling the details. Yeah. Well, and yeah. you can't see, yes. you can't see further enough ahead to keep the company ahead, forward yes. thinking, looking out for the competitors, watching the overall like morale of the company. Yeah. You need to have your head up as yeah. a leader. So if I'm listening to this and I'm, and I'm going, I'm not really a micromanager, but maybe you are. And they're going, no, I get in the details, but details are really important. Like you're they're the minds and their voices in their head going like, well, of course details are important. I, I need to be involved in the details. And I've, I, I always see, you know, where we're going. The, the thing that I would say to somebody is you're right. And there's a different level of where you can see the organization going. So every, so remember that because people have this, they only know based on their own experiences that they've had. Right. So when somebody says I'm not a micromanager, there's, it's not like it's like a light switch. It's a degree, right? So like somebody may be, let's just use scale of zero to a hundred. Somebody may be a hundred micromanager and somebody may be a 50 micromanager and they're fully convinced they're not micromanaging at all. Mm-hmm. And so then all of a sudden they go, well, see over this example that I'm going to pick out of the things that I've done this week, yeah. I didn't micromanage on this. And yet, and the other times they're going this. So what people need to realize is there's always another level to let go of that is, is making sense so that you become a now 40% micro. I'm just using this as an example, 40% micromanager. So you can see a bigger picture. And then all of a sudden you take a, a step back and you go, cause every time you do this, it's like a different layer being peeled. And all of a sudden you look back and you go, man, I had no idea I was even doing that. And so then I always ask myself the same question and then go, well, what do I know that I'm not doing now that I'm going to find out in a year from now? Mm-hmm. And so I realize I don't really know anything. I understand that I know things that I know now, but that what I know now changes almost every couple years or every day. So why don't I just pretend that I don't, or not pretend, why don't I just not pretend that I know anything and come in there searching for solutions, interacting with it and being as open as possible so I can see, so I can move through that phase faster. And I'm going to just be the person who says, well, sometimes details are important, but I, but I think it is being selective and clear about what details you as a leader want or need to know and then forgetting, not forgetting the rest, but you know what, like, but not paying attention to the rest. Well, at some point, like, and I've had this conversation because our organization is growing so rapidly right now. Yeah. Like I physically, I don't even know what's going on a lot of times until sometimes it's too late or sometimes it's, I go, well, did it, did what? Like you just, and you can't physically know. So you actually, yeah. at some point you just go, I'm trusting the team. Yeah. I'm just trusting the team to make it. And that's where culture comes in and principles and how you. But to me, that's also where good reporting on specific metrics and details comes in. <laughs> hundred percent, but it's not going to cure everything. 
No, because that's sometimes the it's too right. It's because it's, well, it's too it's in the minutia. Or, or it's like yes, okay, like so you launched this, yeah. But then after you launched it, you realize well they didn't really do the proper hiring process for it, sure. And so now there's the wrong person involved there. So yeah. when the reporting looks, so it, yeah. So again, yeah. or there's always a level layer that you get into and you realize there probably should have been a different level of reporting. Now, now going forward, I, I always look. I remember like 20 years ago, I'd be like, why do people have all this reporting in these companies? <laughs> and now you realize why. Yeah. Um, and so you can you don't want to get too bogged in with that. That. So there's like this sweet spot, right? Oh, yeah, of because course. you don't want it to be corporate where every where you're hiring people just to report to report to report. Yeah, no, I have no and desire so like, to do so that. So that's part of an organization it needs to find that balance based on how big it's getting to what they see, how they see it, and not bogging people down to actually be able to execute on their jobs. Yeah. Um, another sign is that every task needs approval. Um, that they believe that the leader believes that they're the only one capable of effective decision making. Yes. Um, that can become a big issue. And I obviously talked to a lot of force multipliers about that because, um, and I believe that leaders should delegate decision-making. Um, not everyone does, but I think that that can be a really helpful solution so that the leader feels comfortable saying, here's a, here's your parameters around decision-making anything above this. You need to come to me, but otherwise go ahead and make the decisions. It can be freeing for both people. I think. I think I would look at it as like a Jeff Bezos principle here, which is knowing what the decision is. So if it's a two door, if it's a, a, a two, two, two way, way door. Yeah. two way decision, which basically in his life means that if you make the decision, it's easy to walk back from it. Right. Yeah. Or it's not going to be consequential to the organization or one way, which is I made the decision and it's impossible or near impossible to walk back or it's going to cause irresistible like some level of harm that's going to be very damaging to the organization. So in those two way door decisions, they really shouldn't be on your plate. Yeah, but then, but then, what me, of course, being a little bit more of a detailed person, says, but what are they for the each organization needs to well, outline what those, those are. are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not as easy as just saying that could be we, as we simple as clear. like saying, oh, if it's outside of budget, you have fifteen percent more to go above budget. Exactly, you, you it needs can, to be just outlined yes. and clarified. Yeah, yeah. Um, an an obsession with constant updates yes. is is a big one. Um, people end up spending more time producing detailed updates. We just were talk, kind of talking about yeah. about the reporting. Um, rather than focusing on what they're supposed to be doing, um, it can feel like you're not trusting other people to do their job. I feel like I may be guilty of that one from time to time with the constant updates. I like to, and I need to, now I'm having to do some self-reflection on that. I'm like, <laughs> hmm, I do like to, I like communication. I like to know what's happening. Not because I don't trust other people, but because I feel like I typically get asked. And if I don't have the answer, I... Uh, I think that's a little bit of a story you're telling yourself. Oh, really? Yeah. What I think, is it? Well, I think you just want to know because it makes you feel comfortable and the anxiety builds up and you knowing the answer one way or another yeah. allows your anxiety to go down. Yeah, probably. That's more true. Yeah. Well, that's, that's for everybody, by the way. It's not yeah. just you. It's like when people don't know, the first time the, their mind says, oh, I wonder if they're actually scheduling that. And you go, oh, I'm sure they're fine. And then 15 yeah. minutes later goes, do you think they think it is fine? Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. And all of a sudden it's like this voice just keeps going and all of a sudden it builds. Cause yeah. what is anxiety? Anxiety is this voice being deeper and deeper and more powerful and emotions get involved. And all of a sudden you go, I need to know yes. whether or not they have this scheduled or not. And right, so then or whether, you, it got done whether it got or done or it, different did things. Did they yes. talk to the person they said they were going to talk to? Yes. And, and then, yeah. so then you go, Hey, can you give me an update on this? Yeah. Just yeah. so you can, and it's almost doesn't even matter what the answer is. It's just one way or another, you need to know, because then instantly when you see the answer, you go, and then you go, yeah. I told you they wouldn't do it. This is why I have to do it now. Or if yeah. they did do it, they go, oh, see, I knew they would do it. And then yeah. you just move on, and then it builds up again. 
Yeah, I I have to think about that one a little bit more because to a certain degree, I do think updates are valuable for team members and for leadership. Well, nobody's saying updates aren't important. Yeah. But again, going back but to But I it, like them to be scheduled and consistent. I don't like totally. them to be random. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think I mean, we get reporting yeah. from all of our companies weekly. Yeah, and the daily updates too when there are five questions. Yes, like, and yeah. we get daily yeah. updates from those things, absolutely. Um, but I think it's it's... And there are times when you can, you're going to have to email people and go, hey, I am curious about this just for my own sake. Like, just be honest about it. Yeah. Like, I think it's a better way of doing it. It's like, actually, we had that similar conversation. They're like, hey, is there something that would cause you to feel this way? Yeah. And you were like, yeah, actually. And so then you got to talk about it and we resolved it and find right. a solution for it. So right, I think that's right. very, that's, you know, those are real situations. Look, the hard thing about leadership, we talked about putting that up in a pedestal, is that there is no black and white for any of this. There is no on or off switch. When we say, okay, you know, they need to be CC'd on every single email, which is the next one, or, I, or an obsession with constant updates. What does obsession mean? Yeah. Is it that you, you know, you know, is it a particular project that's so important that you do need hourly updates? You're right, right. right, this, right. But I don't want to micromanage. Maybe you do need hourly updates or maybe you do need daily updates on a particular thing. Right. So this is where you have to decide an organization where it comes in and it, maybe it's so like right now I can think of something in one of our organizations. I want up, updates daily on certain things Yeah. because, but I've also explained to them the situation why. of why I want updates every Correct. single day. And actually, similarly, I'm thinking of another example for a different one of the companies where a brand new hire, we're doing brand new initiatives. It's it's almost like starting a new company. Yeah. Well, yeah, I want to be really involved in the beginning of a starting of a company. I want to well, know what's 30, going 60, on. Day process. You want yeah, to be, yeah. It, it, and that's why you explain. But to I them. typically want to be super hands off. Yes. So six, you know, six months from now. Yeah. Yes. If you email me like once a month and tell me things are yeah. done, I'm good. Yeah. But part of that is that in the early phase of those things, it's yeah. like you, you explain to people that I, you will fill me on you. It'll feel like my micromanaging is only because I want to make sure that you can take the book and run from it. Yes. Yeah. But I think generally speaking, what this is saying is an obsession with constant updates means on everything all the time. Right. And just evaluate this for yourself. Like maybe you go and say, maybe I don't need updates over here, but I still need to keep these and then right. just play with it. That's the whole point of this is just like you can, you can test these things out. And mm-hmm. and 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 working. So the second, the the other one is difficult delegating, right? And this is kind of yeah. what we've been talking about. Um, you know, a, a, that's really hard, I think, for some leaders. But they're force multipliers, particularly if they're and they're in that new relationship. Yeah. Um, the delegating can there could be lack of delegating, but like we talked about earlier, it could be because the trust hasn't been built yet. Yes. They haven't seen. They haven't seen their, and this I think actually goes for all employees, especially when new new ones. It's why we do the thirty, sixty, ninety. You don't know what their level of work is like yet you don't you're still trying to figure them out like what can I delegate to them do they have they earned my trust and confidence because I know they're going to get it done if you don't hear from them then you're like I don't know did they get it done I don't know and if you're in a situation where you've been together for a significant period of time whatever that means years right most likely or at least even a year and now all of a sudden you're not getting delegation then you should bring this conversation up and go hey Hallie I feel like I'm not being used to my abilities i.e. I don't think you're delegating enough to me. Here's what I'd like. Here's a, here's a, here's an option for how we can start. Right. Then, or here are five things I see that I could take, take off, off your plate. plate. Yeah. That's what you actually yeah. did very early on. And that's where, cause I, I did not want to give up my calendar. Mm-hmm. If you remember that, like early mm-hmm. on, it was yeah. like, and people always ask me that as founder, like, how'd you give up your calendar? Now I couldn't imagine like ever having it back. And that's what everyone always says, by the way. Yeah. Right? yeah. No, here's yeah. literally every time somebody goes through, then they get on the other side, they go, I don't know how I even, that's again, that peeling back the onion in order to get from a three to four, you have to give some of these things up. So you're mm-hmm. not involved with that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cause it is time consuming. It and is. It's a, it's a, especially with, with 
CEOs or founders schedules. I mean, it is constantly changing and prep and all. it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. But um, two other quick ones are, are overcomplicating instructions. That's a sign of micromanaging. Yes. And then, you know, a project. Like exact, say this. Yeah, like, and let's, yes. and we have to do it this way. And here's the yeah. step-by-step. And yeah, I actually yeah. can, I actually don't think I do that, but I'm going to have to maybe <laughs> take a look at that one. Um, and then believing that no one else is capable. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty common yeah. common trait of a, micro, of a micromanager. And I think this all comes down to is so like how do you break free or how do you make sure you create an organization where people are not micromanaging? And I think it comes down to the culture of the organization. Or if you, what I also like to say is if you, how do you create a culture where if somebody sees a micromanager or You're feels radically it. Radically transparent conversation. They feel comfortable it. addressing it and, and either asking to work on it together or speaking up and saying I can, here's where I can help. And the reason my culture is so important, we use that word because culture can mean so many different things to so many of people. Culture could be like, hey, we get, you know, um, Friday, you know, dress down day, right? right or, or no, in no or meeting Friday. No meeting Friday, right? That's, yeah. and, and those are fine. They're all yeah. nice. I can, I think a lot of those are perks, but um, they're, they're still like, the culture really is like who you hire because the individual employees and how they act makes up a culture. The individual, anybody in, or it's not one person that makes a culture. One could argue that it's the first person that then hires the next people that are similar in culture, not necessarily right, like values, beliefs, beliefs, their approach to work, yes, their, all those things. That, I mean, to me, I think of things like dedication, yes. communication, the desire to learn, hire for intensity, right? Yes, those type of responsiveness. Yes, willing to look for pain. And then look at the reflection yes. to make forward progress, just right. knowing that's part of it. It's really like a com- common belief system, I guess. Yeah, and that's the way a lot yeah. of people kind of summarize those is what they have, what are the principles, right? Right, and just the culture. Which is like Ray Dalio has a very good set of principles. Jeff Bezos has a set of principles that every employee gets that are basically very clear and crisp. Easier to kind of read through than Ray's. Ray's are a little bit yeah. more elaborate. But Ray's big one, if people know Ray Dalio, it's very radically transparent radically open conversations among everybody um, so that everyone kind of drops their ego. And that's a big one for him. And I think that's part of it is if you're willing to walk into your office or walk into your, your home office or wherever you're working from now and never wanting to be right, and always looking for the best solution for the organization, you have so much more self-reflection so that if you are happy to be micromanaging, if you approach that way, it'll be pointed out. You'll recognize it. You'll ask for help. You'll listen to something. Something will, 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 um, and you won't be personally offended when no, somebody says it. Well, you might. Well, you might be, but you might, yes, but yes, you're yes. not going to allow that to stop you from hearing exactly. it. Exactly. Because everyone has this little psyche in there, their ego yeah. that gets offended, right? It's like until you are a master, right, and have dropped that, when those things happen, you still get hit by it. You just don't pay attention to it. Like you go, right. oh, they're psyches. It's like you treat it like a little child. It's always like I tell people, like treat your ego like a little child. It's like, oh, it's hurt right now. Somebody's not driving the same speed limit I want to. It's all pissed off. Now look at that little thing go, right? You're in a meeting and somebody doesn't like your idea. Look, it's all pissed off thinking about this, right? You just, you just treat it like a child and you let it go. That way you can remain centered, which is what the whole point of that word is, mm-hmm. to stay clear so that you can objectively hear things to make improvements in your life. That's it. And that's why people want to do those things. And so the more, because again, people think spirituality or personal growth is that, oh, then I'm never going to be hit and I'm still getting hit. No, 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 no. Until you're, you know, you know, the Buddha or even he gets hit every, you know, every now and then. It's just, it doesn't affect you 
to interact with the world when it happens. So again, in this conscious, like in a meeting, a great example, you share an idea and you're super excited about it. And everyone's like, you know, thanks, but I don't think we're going to go this route. And you go on, these people don't freaking know. They yeah. don't know what, I, then you're going in your head and you're, you're talking about it and why Joe has got an agenda over here and why they like him. And you build up this whole case as to why this person then got this raise or this person's over here. And you're just talking this whole mindset goes on instead of going, man, they didn't like my idea. Great. I get to, let me see what else I can come up with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, okay, great. Well then let, let's, let's, let's hear all your ideas and let's talk and, about it. The them. other thing is you become completely ineffective in that meeting anymore. Because now all of a sudden you're, you're pissed off as to why and you're in, whether you show it or not, right. you're just becoming ineffective because now all you're thinking is why I didn't take my idea? Did I say something wrong? Should I send him? Am I going to get fired yeah. now? Like all and then you're not listening to the actual conversation. Listening to the conversation. You're listening to the conversation in your head. Voice. So this, yeah. all these different things translates it. So the, the culture, I think of a culture of an organization that the heart of it is that, you know, you can use whatever masking words like self-servant, your leadership, your personal growth, whatever it is. What it really comes down to is you walk in and being radically open which means like, I, I would love to be in a meeting when people go, man, my ego just got hit and it's really bothering me right now. And yet, like, I just need a few minutes. I can actually remember as we started doing this, we had somebody that says, hey, I just need to walk out of the room for a second because that felt a little uncomfortable. That's awesome. Let's take a break. Like I would, that right there, for somebody to be able to say that has such strength to go, I'm willing to be vulnerable, which by the way, everybody feels that way at mm-hmm. times. And so that's what I mean, like really by cultures, being able to approach those situations that way. And then micromanaging, holding on, delegating, all of these things become clearer. They just become clearer in what you're doing and how to improve upon them. And that's why that culture of an organization is so important to changing some of these things, because what you're really open to changing is how you see the world. And if you're open to seeing how you see the world or how the world is interacting with your experiences and you get that out of it, that becomes a great gift for you all. Hey everybody, thanks for tracking with us today. Our Founder and Force Multiplier community has grown a lot lately, and it's all thanks to you guys. Big things are coming, and we want to show our appreciation by continuing to provide you with the most helpful resources, coaching, content, and training we can. Please take a few minutes to complete our questionnaire and let us know how we can help you grow in your career, your business, and your life. On September 6th, we will draw two winners for free one-on-one coaching calls with co-founder Howie Warner and our new CEO, Manal Keen. Once the results are in, we will share the information. So please take the quiz by heading to bit.ly slash FFM dash survey. That's bit.ly slash FFM dash survey. <laughs>